Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome. I appreciate the privilege of preaching in this Pioneer Rally. And God is certainly at work. Amen. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, if you want to turn there with me. Great blessing. You're going to want to plan to be in the services tomorrow. Uh, These Pioneer Rallies are always a wonderful time to gather together and have our vision lifted for the things of God. Can you say amen? I have uh, had the privilege of being in six conferences in the last three weeks. Uh, Things are happening in our fellowship. We so appreciate all of you that uh, have gathered together. Uh, Brother Camel and I, some years ago, coming out of a leadership meeting, seeing that people in some of the areas under some of the leaders were not being challenged, were never being touched with the uh, possibility or with the vision of the harvest fields we said, what can we do that we can have access to these people? And we uh, started doing pioneer rallies uh, all over the United States, and God has wonderfully blessed and uh, has ministered. I know that uh, in this area, many of you get, especially in Chandler and the Valley area, you get challenged uh, because uh, the the leadership that Pastor Camel brings and the uh, ministry of the pastors in this area uh, Tempe, Brother Olson, and uh, we appreciate all of you. Appreciate all the pastors who are here tonight. Some of you traveling for quite some distance to come in. I trust the Lord will bless you and minister uh, to your hearts. We were traveling in 2007 uh, in the uh, Seven Churches of Revelation tour. We had come across from uh, Turkey, uh, and the Seven Churches of Revelation were moving into Greece, and we were traveling from Alexander Poulos uh, to Philippi, uh, where we were to stop and uh, see the city, ancient city of Philippi. And as we came, the guide said there, look on the right there now, you'll see the old Roman road, the Ignatian Way. And this would have been a place where Paul had traveled along that road that we were passing by. Paul landed at Neapolis uh, by ship, either by foot or by donkey. He had uh, would traveled, and, uh, and he would have traveled that way to go to Philippi, where he was to preach and be put in the Philippian prison. And as I saw that road, the Spirit of God just gripped me and, uh, and humbled me. I felt so humbled to think for a moment 
of this man of God, the greatest world evangelist that ever lived, and to think that this man, in the enormity of the accomplishments that this man made in his ministry. This was because Paul had focus. He had focus. Here in this text, we are going to catch a little glimpse of the philosophy of the Apostle Paul that brought the reality to the ministry that he had. I just heard an advertisement. It was new to me, but this advertisement was advertising medication for for an adult disorder, ADHD. I had never heard of that before. I know children uh, have ADD or ADHD, uh, which is actually absent dad disorder. <laughs> but I never heard of adults having this. And apparently this is common. And uh, maybe I'm living in an isolated experience. I'm not sure. But uh, the, these people all testified that they could not focus didn't have the ability to focus in life. They're distracted constantly. And uh, that was news to me. And uh, here in this text, I want, to, I want to talk about focus because I believe there are many churches and I believe there are many believers that the problem with them is that they're very often not focused. I had a man uh, catch me on the way to the platform. He said, Pastor Mitchell, can you tell me how do you stay focused uh, when you have a, uh, a, a thought about or a call? You feel, how do you stay focused? I said, you be sure and listen to the sermon tonight, and I'll tell you. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives uh, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, uh, he, shows, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, it would be uh, beneficial for you and profitable for you to study that out of uh, various uh, uh, different translations of those words uh, and uh, get some added insight to that. But I want to preach to you tonight on uh, focus. I want to talk to you about the tendency of this age in which we live. This age is an age of dabbling. I, uh, when I th- thought about that, I know what it means to me, but I said, wonder what that means to uh, people. Because uh, anybody my age, I, I speak a foreign language to many who are not my age. So I thought I'd uh, look this up. And to dabble or dabbler means to work or concern oneself superficially or a superficial or intermittent interest. Now, I've just described a good bit of the human race. And I have just described a good bit of those who profess to be believers. 
One poet said, this is the age of the half-read page and the quick hash and the mad dash and the bright night with the nerves tight, the plane hop and the brief stop, the lamp tan in a short span, the big shot in a good spot, and the brain strain and the heart pain and the cat naps till the spring snaps and the fun's done. That is a very apt description of much of humanity today. And this is an apt description of many church attenders and church goers uh, who are content with a very shallow experience. Uh, and much of Christianity today, their total exposure can be uh, capsulized in one word, uh, Christian entertainment. Now look for a moment at this text because... What's happening in our world is a failing of a scriptural injunction. Look at this text for a moment, verse 3, because what is described there is a singleness of purpose, uh, and he talks about everyone among you, and then he says, think soberly. If you're a Bible student, you do your own research on that word soberly. It has to do with a disciplined mind. It has to do with a focused mind. It even, the root word carries a thought of a healthy mind. And everyone who is among you, he's saying and instructing, think soberly or get a focus in your mind and in your vision. And the Apostle Paul, in his biological epistles, we could call them that, speaks of that in Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. This one thing I do, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, it is very important. I know that uh, this is a generation that, uh, uh, that uh, prides itself on multiple tasking. But the difficulty is that if you're not very careful, you'll be so multitask uh, that you'll not have any focus uh, and you'll be found uh, with ADHD spiritually. You can only do one thing well in life. In the book of Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30, the Lord Jesus Christ talks about a man who, when he's uh, into a project, uh, he does not have a proper focus, therefore he does not evaluate what he's doing. And he says in verse 28, which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he is enough to finish it, or in other words, you're not focused on what you're doing, and therefore you don't understand the full ramification. Lest after he's laid the foundation, not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build uh, and was not able uh, to finish. The Old Testament gives us an excellent illustration. That illustration is about a man who uh, had a, a, uh, a, uh, uh, a prisoner delivered to him. This is a parable actually told by a prophet. And this prisoner was given into his hands to guard and to keep. And in Bible days, if you were given a prisoner to guard and to keep, if you lost that prisoner, you paid with your life. Listen to 1 Kings 20, verse 40. As the prophet tells this little parable, while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. Then the king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. 
See, the church today, I'm uh, sad to relate to you, has become a spectator, uh, religious, entertainment-oriented uh, uh, group of people. We will never accomplish the purpose that God gave to us through that, uh, but we must uh, absolutely focus uh, on the vision that God has given us, the task and the responsibility, uh, and historically, this is going to be a determining factor. It was John Wesley uh, who spoke these words. John Wesley is the man who planted Methodism around the world. You'll find the remnants of a tremendous move of God in most every major city on earth. And the reason for that is he was a focused man. And he said to his disciple, at it and all at it and always at it. Now we'll never accomplish what God has given us dabbling, uh, and the tendency of this age uh, is not to focus, uh, but to be involved in so many things uh, that they bring nothing to fruition. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, uh, for there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave uh, uh, where you're going. Someone has said in, t in time past at the church, uh, is like the spectators at a football game. There's 50,000 spectators that desperately need some exercise, and there's 22 men on the field that desperately need some rest. <laughs> this is the reason the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He's appealing to the believers in Jesus Christ that they realize that God has a task for every one of them. They fit within the body and he's urging them to realize this and to rise to the challenge of the hour and to focus in on what it is that they're supposed to be doing and to do it. See, we have, a, uh, we have an understanding that the important people uh, are the people who stand and preach. And thank God for every preacher. Can you say amen? But I'm going to tell you, I go to many places, uh, and I constantly am so grateful. I didn't produce this crowd that are here tonight. I have the responsibility and even the joy of preaching here, but I didn't bring you here the workers uh, who are faithful in churches, uh, winning souls uh, and encouraging disciples, uh, establish a dynamic uh, that preachers can come and have someone listen to them, uh, hopefully with uh, rapt attention. I talked to Bob Alvarez. Bob Alvarez, I just was with him in, in um, uh, Carbondale, Illinois, and I saw him here tonight, and I said, Bob, I'm impressed that you came all the way here to hear me preach tonight. <laughs> when I was a boy, I discovered a wonderful phenomenon. And uh, it, uh, it was amazing to me. Uh, and I spent hours doing this, uh, taking a magnifying glass, uh, catching the rays of the sun, uh, and setting uh, paper on fire, and sometimes weeds and, uh, and uh, things that ought not to be set on fire. But that was a marvelous thing to me that uh, you could take this, say, this, that was phenomenal. But you see, that's a principle that we're talking about tonight. Uh, here's a magnifying glass uh, that could focus the rays of the sun in uh, and create heat uh, and start a fire with that. 
That's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, and uh, what we're dealing with uh, is the ability to take the purpose of God, the glorious rays of the Holy Spirit, the calling for the task uh, and the calling and the vision that God gives to us, uh, and rather than spread it out, you can take that magnifying glass, uh, and unless it's put in a certain place where it is focused, uh, it'll just simply be a magnifying glass, uh, but through a phenomena of the rays of light that can be focused in uh, and accomplish a power and a purpose uh, and a a phenomena that you cannot do without that magnifying glass. Now think with me for a moment. Uh, uh, the message that the Apostle Paul is talking about here is the gifting of God. Now in this passage is a contrast uh, with the present concept that is being practiced uh, in many, many churches today. What they're doing is they are hiring people who have talent uh, and they're hiring them, for instance, musicians. And these musicians are hired because they are excellent musicians. And so the church wants to put on a program or a presentation of entertainment or excellence. They don't want some slob up there thumping a gut bucket. They want somebody that's got the thing together. Some of you don't even know what a gut bucket is. Well, you study and find out, and then you know what I'm preaching about. Okay. So they hire these people because they have excellence. Uh, uh, but the difficulty with that is usually they're playing in a bar on Saturday night. Sunday morning they're playing in the church. That is not the purpose of God. I want to tell you, as you consider this, these people are nothing more than performers. Uh, I have a, a very insightful article on a church in Scottsdale, um, and they staff their church with hired musicians uh, from outside the church to come in and perform, uh, and that is very common today, uh, and this is an abominable concept. In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 10, the prophet says, Who is there even among you that would shut the door for nothing? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for nothing. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering uh, at your hand. Adam Clark gives a very interesting rendition of this. Uh, and he says, verse 10, Who is among you? From this we learn that there was not one sincere or honest priest among them, they were selfish and worldly and so basely so that not one of them would even kindle a fire on the hearth of the altar unless uh, he was paid for it. You see, the ministry that God has ordained for the Christian church in the body of Christ is within the body. Think with me for a moment about the tremendous impact that is revealed here. God has put divine grace for ministry within the body of Jesus Christ. Every church has the potential for an explosion of ministry, but it must be sought for, it must be realized, and it must be brought to fruition. The history of our fellowship is hinged right at this place. Early on in Prescott, as we began to reach large numbers of these young people, uh, I had denominational thinking, sent uh, two young people to Life Bible College in Los Angeles, California. That's a, that's a standard way that you get into ministry. 
I lost both of them and got a tremendous lesson from that and fastened on the concept that God could raise up ministry within the congregation in Prescott, Arizona, which is a revelation to the Christian world. I want you to know that. Most of you know that I went to Perth, West Australia uh, uh, last year, uh, responded to an emergency there. And uh, when I got there, most of the people who were involved and who were the elite that were leading ministries uh, flushed out as the pastor split that church. Now, that was a very interesting thing to me because immediately... Uh, we retained about 350 of the congregation, and immediately people began to come to me and say, Pastor, uh, you know, I'll take over the Sunday school and, and organize the, 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 the Sunday school again if you'd like for me to. Said, Fine, you do that. Uh, others came and said, uh, Pastor, uh, I have a burden for the drama ministry, and I'll get that organized and going uh, if you would like for me to. I said, great, you do that. Let me help you work. And ministry after ministry raised up, uh, and the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen in my life uh, is that revival broke out as these people that had been sidelined, discounted, not thought to be in the people who had the capability, rose up. People started getting saved from the very first service, and it still is continuing with Tom Payne today, a tremendous move of God. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. And it was because these people were released to minister and begin to discover their gifts and begin to function. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to impress here. Romans 10, 6 through 8. This is the, this is the uh, Williams translation. Let me read that to you. As we have gifts that differ in accordance with the favor God has shown us, if that is that of preaching, let it be done in proportion to our faith or a practical service in the field of service or of a teacher in the field of teaching or of one who encourages others in the field of encouragement or one who gives his money with liberality or one who leads others with earnestness or one who does deeds of charity with cheerfulness. Now, embodied in that statement is the secret for a dynamic congregation. It means that within the body of Jesus Christ uh, is the gifts resident uh, within each believer, not all the same, uh, but a powerful potential uh, for an explosive ministry as the body uh, begins to minister. Now, we're talking about focus tonight. I want to read you a quote for a moment for one author. It says, The world has yet to see... Uh, what God, what God is prepared to do with a man wholly surrendered to him. On a rough-hewn bench, Dwight L. Moody reflected, he did not say a great man, nor an educated man, nor a wealthy man, just a man. By the grace of God, I will be that man. This man, D.L. Moody, rose up to make a powerful impact uh, which is still resonating today uh, long after he's gone to be with the Lord in glory. Another author says, God has given to every individual soul some gift that is unique, peculiar to itself, some delicate tint that it alone can add to the great picture, 
some tone that no other uh, uh, soul can sound forth. Now think about that for a moment, about what the Apostle Paul has written. He says uh, that within the body, uh, there are all these various ministries. Some of them, uh, of course, are public, but many of them, and some of the most powerful ones, uh, are behind the scenes uh, where people rise uh, and respond to the Spirit of God and focus in on what they can do for God. One author has written a, uh, a segment that says the world is waiting. Listen to these words. The world is waiting for somebody, waiting and watching today, somebody to lift and strengthen, somebody to shield and stay. Do you thoughtfully question who? Tis you, my friend, tis you. The world is waiting for somebody, the sad world, black and cold, when one-faced children are watching for hope in the eyes of the old. Do you wondering question who? Tis you, my friend, tis you. The world is waiting for somebody and has been years on years. Somebody to soften its sorrows, uh, somebody to heed its tears. Then doubting question no longer who, for oh, my friend, tis you. You see, the role of pastors, evangelists, teachers, and leaders uh, is to facilitate uh, that which the people of God uh, are being motivated on to recognize that uh, and to facilitate that. And Ephesians 4.12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now think about uh, this for a moment with me. Here in our fellowship, uh, a little church in Prescott, Arizona, not knowing what we were doing, but just simply trying to obey God. Hippies, drug addicts, prostitutes, uh, wanders, uh, brain dead people came in and Jesus Christ touched them and they've been, the, the waves of it has spread all over the world. Can you say amen? So let's think for a moment then the challenge that you have as you're sitting here in this building. God is at work. Oh, thank God. I feel like God is at work. Pastor Camel just said to me on the platform, I said, look like it's going to be a tremendous crowd. He said, I believe God's really going to help us this year. And I can say amen and amen and amen. God is at work. Here in this text that we have is the secret for releasing what God wants to do. I'm going to tell you that God is at work. He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. There has been no period in history when God has not been at work. Think with me back to the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Catch the ramifications of it. I said God is at work. Yeah, well, I don't see it. Well, then listen to me for a moment. And you can focus in on what God's doing. Genesis 1 verse 2. 
And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters in earth's darkest hour. Hallelujah. God was at work, and in its darkest hour, the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the darkness of the, of the world. Now, this brings us to the conclusion that we're personally responsible tonight. We as individual are responsible to pursue and to discover and to develop by faith the blessing that God has placed within us and to discover our place. Preaching, it's very obvious that preaching, evangelizing, teachers or pastors or any apostolic dimension is the developing of this gift is their responsibility to bring that but here in this text brings us to the understanding and of course we understand that those that mature are brought to an office of course but I want to function with you this evening on the importance though you are lower profile to bring this forth it mentions here ministry or service is actually what that means Everybody can do something. Say, well, I'm, uh, I can't be a public speaker. That's fine. Well, I, uh, I don't have a charismatic gift and personality. Well, that's fine. But you can do something. But you see, the great problem and the reason Paul wrote this text is to challenge people to understand and to discover and to do what it was that God was moving upon them to do. And Psalms 84 verse 10 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Thank God for ushers. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. Thank God for ushers. He ushers are, are uh, responsible to thump little kids who are creating chaos. They're responsible to tackle wing nuts that come in, try to disturb this earth. Thank God for ushers. Can you say amen? They're valuable. Amen. One who encourages others. You see, this is where Barnabas uh, got his start because uh, he's nicknamed uh, uh, the son of consolation. Uh, and uh, that really means something. That means uh, that this man was an encourager or other. God knows we have enough discouragers. Can you say amen? People who say, I don't see any revival around here. I don't, brother so-and-so was here. Man, did we have revival? No revival. God needs re encouragers. Say, how can I encourage? Because God is God. If he's not God in your life, well, he can be. Think about this, this little phrase that I, that I read for a moment, uh, because I, 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 I read this, uh, this poem. When one-faced children are watching for hope in the eyes of the old. How many of you know that uh, old age is dangerous. I said old age is dangerous because you've seen some things. You've seen some failures. You've seen some disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I've seen that before, you know. Yeah, 
Did you see that new coming? Yeah, well, he probably won't last. You know, they were seeing me. Are you still with me tonight? Some hope in the eyes of the old. See, we have enough wet blankets around who are eager to be sure that they put out any enthusiasm or fire in the young ones who see hope in the eyes of the old. Thank God. You see, if God's trusted you with money, liberality is a challenge that you have with God. If you have... Uh, I want to tell you, attitude is imparted. How many of you know that attitude is uh, is imparted? The Church of Jesus Christ functions on the dynamic uh, of impartation. In the summer, uh, or in the winter, rather, I think I preached, that was the the theme of the the conference. You see, uh, attitude is imparted. You impart something to someone else, uh, and this is why it says in this text, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. See, we've got enough people who are just waiting to uh, criticize, just waiting to slam somebody. But it's a tremendous thing when you are, the text there says charity in the King James uh, But we have people who can encourage, people who can minister, people who can get hope. And thank God that there are people who rise up. That's why you're in this building tonight. Someone moved to encourage you and to help you. And I want to reflect tonight just for a moment as I conclude on the many people who make it work. See, there's plenty of people who are trying to throw a monkey wrench in it. Can you say amen? The nursery. Pastor, I want to tell you, if you if you have a nursery and you need to listen carefully, I have pastors who say to me, uh, you know, what's the secret of growth? Well, number one, uh, you need a nursery so young families can put their babies in there that they're not running up and down the aisle and uh, puking on people in the front row from them. You know, I mean, a nursery is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I want to tell you that uh, God bless those people who work in the nursery. Amen. And you need from time to time, you say, well, I did that five years ago. You need from time to time to publicly say, thank God for the nursery workers. Can you say amen? Amen. Our fellowship is very active in outreach and evangelism, music group. I I was putting this sermon together, and I was just thinking of a man who's in our congregation, he's probably ministered in your church, who is Scotty Flitcroft. Now, Scotty Flitcroft was a rainbow child living in the forest with his dog. <laughs> probably part of his brain was fried with uh, speed or, or uh, whatever it is they take. Uh, maybe rat poison, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> For, I think, 37 years or maybe longer, Scotty Flitcroft... Uh, has been a part of uh, our music ministry, uh, I don't think, uh, I think nonstop in Prescott. Now think about that. He's not a kid any longer. But he is faithful in a music group, goes out uh, 
And ministers sometimes, uh, uh, they come back two and three in the morning to try to win some souls for, for somebody. And uh, the, the, the most prominent thing I can think about, Scotty, you get him to testify and uh, give us a report, Scotty, on, uh, on what happened uh, that you did. Wow. <laughs> Do you realize how valuable that is? Musicians, music group, travel, sometimes four hours. They don't spend the night. They come home the same night, uh, get home in the wee hours of the morning, uh, and are there in Sunday school and there in the morning service uh, year after year after year after year after year. They don't get paid for that. A lot of times they don't get fed decently either. Are you still with me? We were sitting at breakfast the other morning, and uh, we were reflecting on some of the ministries. The first uh, real steady outreach that we did in Prescott was in Baghdad, Arizona. It's uh, practically the center of the earth. It's a little uh, crummy, dirty, unattractive mining town. And that's the first uh, outreach I remember steady that we did that. Uh, and John Pratt and I were reminiscing because he was a part of those first outreaches uh, to Baghdad, Arizona. John Pratt uh, is uh, uh, very faithful in heading up impact teams. He's probably gone to your church and do that. And so here he is, nearly 40 years later, still at it. Baghdad was the first. Are you still with me? 40 years later, still taking van loads of people uh, giving them direction, watching over them, uh, and bringing them back uh, 40 years later. 40 years later. Say, why do these people do that? The brother who asked me said, how do you, how do you keep your focus? You keep your focus because you focus. I'm asked from time to time, Pastor, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you get your, how do you get these sermons? I say, it's called work, W-O-R-K. That's what it is. That's a strange word to many people today. As I was pondering on this, and I conclude, I was thinking about, I, most of you have seen uh, some of the uh, uh, pictures of the Berlin Wall when the Berlin Wall was took down. People who are hammering uh, at the solid concrete. How many of you ever seen those, those uh, hammering, hammer, 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 until it finally, they get the thing to crack. Blow after blow after blow, focused on one spot or one fault line until it finally gives. The poet has said, when your hand is on the plow, hold on. Though the soil be sterile and hard, for the Lord of harvest will make the barren soil yield, and the plowman shall have his reward. Focus is the call of God, and we need tonight labors for the harvest field. We need labors, not performers. We need labors. Focus demands actions. Focus demands decisions. 
focus demands that you're going to concentrate in uh, and uh, you're going to bring your whole life into focus uh, for the call of God, uh, which is winning souls, uh, planting churches, uh, and evangelizing our generation. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. ADHD is the spiritual disease of the church of Jesus Christ. There are potentials in this building tonight for fantastic consequences and results. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.